Have you ever found yourself sitting on the dock of the bay, thinking about those hot summer nights that take your breath away? They help when you've lost that love and feeling, leading me on with mighty wings through the fire to destinations unknown. The memories of heaven in your eyes gives me great balls of fire and leaves me playing with the boys in my danger zone. <laughs> Top Gun Anthem. It's time for Flight of the Black Angel. <laughs> Landon, I did. I am speechless. Um, let's talk about TV movies. Yeah, yeah, I love TV. Pretty big fan of movies. Uh, two great flavors together at last. Are they? I, I'm curious because we've done a number of TV movies now, uh, three in a row. Yeah, two of them starring <laughs> William O'Leary, as we do, are going to talk about today. It might. Do you think there comes a point when when watching too many made-for-TV movies back to back becomes dangerous to your health? Do you think we're just going <laughs> to well, start might, inserting dramatic commercial breaks into into our day-to-day <laughs> lives? I, hey, you know what? I, I'm always for a little more uh, theatrics in daily life. So, And uh, a little more advertising, too. No, 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 no. No more advertising. <laughs> uh, okay, so t- TV movies. What, what, yes. What's, were you a movie of the week kid? Would the family gather around for the magical world of Disney or the wonderful? Probably would be the wonderful okay. world for cause the well, alliteration. Those are a little bit different because those were theatrical movies that were shown on television. And the mm. question, the answer to your question is 100% yes. Yeah. I mean, that's where I would grow up with, you know, Herbie or the Shaggy Dog, the, you know, um, Parent Trap, you know, the, the movies that came out in the 60s and 70s that were shown on TV in the 80s. Yes. That's a whole that, different breed. Yeah. That now, that now form the backbone of Disney Plus's content catalog. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm talking more about the undue influences, the <laughs> murdering murders in Kaoda County, the the Elf Project Elf, uh, movie movie events made specifically for either primetime broadcast uh, as as like a, a two night, you know, um, blockbuster tune in sort of thing, a la Roots, yeah, or uh, syndication like USA. We haven't figured out all of our content yet because it's the mid '90s. Why don't we throw some money at some, you know, Steve Martini thrillers that we can yeah. show over two days and have a marathon of them over, you know, uh, holiday weekends? Yeah, some something based on a book uh, that somebody yeah. read on a plane. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of experience with directly sitting down and watching those broadcast. However. We okay. Th- get ready, everybody. We're only a couple minutes in, and uh, I, frankly, you're going to be calling me one of the, one of those Tillies, one of those elitist New Yorker reading snobs, because my primary experience <laughs> with made-for-TV movies was uh, British made-for-TV movies that we would get from Netflix on DVD, mainly mm. of the Sharps Rifles books, uh, or well, the 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 British TV movie adaptations of the Sharps Rifles books, which was an adventure series about the Napoleonic Wars, uh, and they starred a young Sean Bean. So I remember watching those, and I distinctly remember 
asking my parents, like, guys, these are war movies. Why are there only, like, seven extras? Why does it look like everything is shot in somebody's backyard? And they were like, well, Truman, this is a made-for-TV movie, so there's not as much budget there. And um, <laughs> that that was that was the day I became a man, was I realized the difference between a theatrical release and a made-for-TV movie. Well, you know what's interesting, though, is that... So, okay, there's a lot to unpack there. One is, I, I think that, you know, your Columbo's... In 2023, I think... Well, even maybe back in the day, those were probably considered in the same caliber as TV movies because they were an hour and a half long. Yeah. Uh, and I would even say, you know, the Perot movies, uh, mm -hmm. you know, starring David Suchet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the they're granted it's a, a series, it's a TV show kind of, but they're movie length and shown as kind of mini events a couple times a year. I, I think it falls under that same... I think this, they have the same audience. Let me put it that way. Yeah, and how is TV movies? And 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 what would, how would you describe the TV movie audience? Just whoever was watching TV that night. I mean, these were on in prime time, right? Or were they like Saturday night movies? I mean, it, it, there's. I don't think you're, there's any one way you can categorize them. I mean, it it really, you know, from the seventies into the eighties, you know, which is I think the eighties and early nineties are probably the the prime era for TV movies. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's, there's so much just changing in TV that you can't really make a blanket statement about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, because there were like big, big, you know, if you want to go the roots route, there were like these huge mini series events. Mm -hmm. And I would certainly not say that, you know, roots didn't have a budget behind it. Um, well, and, and the question is, well, at, at yeah. risk of being pedantic, does Roots even count as a made-for-TV movie? Because I thought it was kind of credited as, like, the first big mini-series. I thought that was just, like, a well, bunch of yeah, hour-long episodes that's another, that we all watched. That's, that's another line in the sand to draw. Maybe, you know, something like that could be. Uh, you know what? I hope we never talk about the fighter jet movie we watched today, because I think that the semantic debate over what constitutes a made-for-TV movie, like, well, we, we've got to get there first. Okay, well, I was I was trying to head to a place of like there are certain movies like today's movie, Flight of Black Angel, yep. that that I I I I don't know the answer to your question because there was a crossover between them being a TV movie, but then finding an audience kind of on home video. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, you've sent me the poster for this movie on video now, and I am yeah, laughing at the best VHS cover. <laughs> the, the the single greatest pull quote ever. Uh, continue <laughs> continue with your thought. That's a little foreshadowing, folks. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. It was just kind of the wild west back in the day, and in, in some regards, I kind of missed that. But yeah. uh, in many regards, I don't. Um, but you don't get. I, I think the the that era allowed for movies like today's movie to exist and yes. for that i appreciate it where you can have a kind of like oh top gun was huge <laughs> yes yes what if we did top gun but crossed it over with the evangelic audience that are watching you know hmm. the these telethons i don't think i don't <laughs> and think the slasher movie <laughs> I don't think they're the. I don't think evangelical Christians are the target audience for the movie about an insane Christian trying to nuke a major American city. I don't think that this. I don't watch this movie and think, "Wow, Christianity looks pretty dope." After this, 
I I think they might have been writing some letters. They might have been watching it with their church group and shaking their heads and then calling their senator about well, it. Okay, how about this one? How about this one then? What if what if Top Gun, mm-hmm. but it was more like okay, Top Gun meets Red Dawn, but the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> the dawn is coming from from inside the plane. Okay, I mean we're doing we're doing this. I'd call this movie more of a faux canero or um Okay, all right, all right. Oh, but but I I think you could go another route and you could call it Topter Strange Gun. Because it <laughs> it is um it is both it yeah. is both a dollar store top gun and a dollar store Doctor Strange love. But there's there is a sort of like real grimy uh, I, I don't know, just psychological aspect to this that was also big in the 90s when this movie came out. Um, it, why don't, before we go on any further, let's, I'm assuming the listeners haven't seen this movie because I didn't even know it existed until recently. <laughs> we, we don't, no, we, we don't all remember the summer that we all got 3D glasses and sat down in front of our TVs for the white knuckle action of Flight of Black Angel. Um, a, mo- a movie so uh, a movie so intense that it didn't even need a uh, definite article ahead of Black Angel. It's not Flight of the Black <laughs> Angel, as I initially Googled. No, no, just Black Angel. Um, okay, I will give a synopsis of what this movie's about. Because okay, great, thank you. This movie is about some things. <laughs> Bible-thumping Air Force fighter pilot Captain Eddie Gordon goes nuts murders his family, then loads up his fighter jet with a nuclear bomb and sets off on a suicide mission to destroy Las Vegas. And only his training instructor, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Ryan, can stop him. I, I would I would only add that he, he, he does that out of some sort of deranged, I'm the one, the, the chosen one evangelical mission, crusade, he, if you will. Uh, yeah, he, he is a fan of the Bible, and he has a big cross in his bedroom, and then because someone offhandedly, like a training officer, offhandedly remarks to him that that oh yeah you're the, you're the one or you're the best one or you're one of the good ones or something like that, he then just goes I'm the one, and that's all it, that's all it takes to get on board with the nuclear holocaust. Um. Okay. So I'll just I'll I'll continue with what we usually do here, but I have some comments before we get into this thing. Um, yes. This was released in 1991. I'm trying to, as usual, I don't have the original network that this broadcast on. Um, I mm. Unfortunately, it looks like it was, I'm trying to see if there's even a release date. Um, February 23rd, 1991. Wow. Flight of the Black Angel. Uh, directed it was... by, Yeah. I, okay, I'm sorry. I thought I had a release date. It I, it says it was broadcast on Showtime, but I don't think that's where it debuted. I apologize. Continue. Oh, it could be. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, if, I don't know. If it, this, it if be. this, if this was on Showtime, then we were robbed of a couple of really steamy sex scenes. I'm sorry. Like this, <laughs> it, like this movie Not should have been way more lurid. I, I mean, I'm just saying, if Showtime, if Showtime aired it, they would have specific. That would have been a note. This, this definitely was shown someplace that they had standards and practices to think of. We can't, um, we can't okay, show is... we can't show something inappropriate like a naked woman. We can only show good moral things like a man shooting his mother and father and brother in the chest you're... with a rifle at close range. <laughs> you you're used to the like 
the the modern we figured out the formula i'm telling you back in the 90s like they experimented with a lot more things and like they they would have come up with different types of things that like well what can we show you know for the dads on a sunday afternoon mm-hmm. so before before we had the cold accuracy of the algorithm it was just a bunch of uh, producers snorting cocaine and trying to figure out what was <laughs> yes. going to work Snorting co- cocaine and throwing spaghetti yeah. to see what sticks. Um, <laughs> now, now, now okay. there was one time they tried snorting spaghetti and throwing cocaine, and uh, that was actually how <laughs> ALF got created, believe it or not. Go on, Landon. Tell me more about okay. the technical specs. <laughs> this is directed by Jonathan Mostow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to assume you don't know him by name, but you definitely know him by movie. He... Directed Terminator oh. 3, Rise oh, of the Machines. Yeah. Uh, the Kurt Russell thriller Breakdown, which I think is a little underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, U571, the submarine movie. Surrogates with Bruce Willis. Mm. Uh, Ooh, sad. Most recently um, has directed on The Accused, I think it's a Hulu series. Um, Hunter's uh, prayer i think that's a sam worthington movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he's still working as of 2023 uh did an episode of from earth to the moon yeah uh, i'm just looking at one of his other first movies the the movie he did right before this movie called Bever- beverly hills body snatchers which is something i immediately have to go check out <laughs> that's uh that that is that is a great title accompanied by a great poster as well um, you, one, I think one important fact you didn't mention that Wikipedia is serving me is that, uh, okay. he met his wife on J-Date in 2014, so, oh, well. you know, I mean, I, I, can we say that about any of our other directors so far? I don't think so, that's what jumped <laughs> out for me. I don't, we haven't got that data set to, to, <laughs> yes. to, to judge by. Um, this was written by John Brancato, who, mm-hmm. uh is a writer for such movies as The Game with Michael Douglas, an oh, amazing movie. Yeah. Uh, the Net, starring Sandra Bullock. An uh, amazing movie. <laughs> uh, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, Surrogate, so clearly he works uh, with Jonathan Mostow yeah. uh, often. Mm-hmm. Um, he did some episodes of Anne Flux. Okay, and it's also written by Jonathan Mostow, who we just went through, uh, the director, and Michael Ferris, who wrote for, uh, looks like they're all a writing team, because he also worked on the game Terminator 3, The Net, Surrogates. I ju- uh, just, but also, just, just love to <laughs> see, love, love to see a bunch of dudes hanging out and having fun. Oh, wait, he wrote for, he wrote for Rugrats? I'm sorry I talked yeah. over this, this revelation. <laughs> uh, but he also wrote Catwoman. So, here we go. I'm, I mean, you know, uh, uh, to, you know, from, from the highest highs of, of Tommy Pickles and the gang to the lowest lows of Halle Berry's career destruction. <laughs> um, since uh, since this isn't a huge cast, let me just mention off the top uh, the, the two people we're dealing with mostly here. Peter Strauss uh, plays uh, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Ryan, the, yes. the instructor uh, to William O'Leary in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the good guy. Yeah, he is kind of all over the place, just picking up bit parts in like stuff of the Johnny Depp thriller Nick of Time. Oh, I love uh, Nick of he, Time. That's a that's actually played, a really good movie. He played uh, the president in Triple X State of the Union. Mm-hmm. He's been in Grey's Anatomy, um, Law and Order. Like he's just he's just one of these. Uh, he's got eighty six credits. Goes all over the place uh, from voices to to bit parts. Grey's Anatomy, the the new ER, truly for uh, for for <laughs> game purposes. 
since this isn't a proper episode, we're not going to play the ER game. Uh, I don't see that he's... And, uh, he, there was a Men in Black series? There was Oh, yeah, there was an animated series on, uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah, on Basic okay. Cable. Yeah, I watched yep, it. Got it. That guy did not sound anything like Will Smith, who they got to do the voice, but, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's Peter Strauss playing um, playing the, the, I don't know, antithesis of William O'Leary here. Um, and I wanted to talk about <laughs> the, the, the uh, yin to in, inside all of us, there is a William O'Leary and a Peter Strauss constantly doing battle. <laughs> uh, Michelle Pock, who plays in the synopsis, you didn't mention that he takes hostage a family. Yeah. It, the, the, yeah. In, in the storyline, it becomes necessary for us to not have fighter jet footage to save the budget. So there's about a half hour where he's taken a young family hostage and they're driving around the desert. Yeah. Um Michelle Pawk, P A W K plays the woman uh who ha- is, you know, has the most uh to do in that family with him. Yeah. Um she's also she's got 24 credits, nothing to sneeze at. Um I'll sneeze at what I voices. want. Thank you very much, Landon. <laughs> well, sometimes you can't control where you're sneezing. You also gotta do it true. To your elbow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's allergy season now. I'm going to I'm going to sneeze. I may not have an elbow available. You got to just be ready for it. Uh her first credit is Freddy's Nightmares. So, mm. uh yeah. There you go. There you go. She was Abby. on Freddy's Nightmares. Everybody gets a chalupa. That's that's our new uh, She was she was on the library committee in Cradle Little Rock. Oh, okay. All right. So, once again, the 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 administration and funding of libraries, a common theme on home improvement comes up even in uh even tangential <laughs> works. And she has done um on three different versions of Law and Order total, she has done uh eight episodes. So, oh god. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm I'm happy for her. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Um, yeah. I don't think I'm gonna necessarily and, and go out William and watch O'Leary. those eight episodes. And William O'Leary, Marty, William O'Leary playing the main. I mean, like this isn't Elf's you know movie. This is William O'Leary's movie. He it's he's leading the pack here. Uh, yeah, uh, and what a what a opposite side of the coin of Marty. <laughs> now, yes, opposite side of the coin from Marty. My question is my big question watching this movie in which let's just be very clear, William O'Leary gives a really good performance. I think he's very convincing. Yes. Um, I agree. My question with this movie about an Air Force uh officer who goes completely insane and into a murderous rage, is this William O'Leary's character from the Alf movie before <laughs> he meets Alf, or is this him after he meets Alf? Like, has he? Well, I has, we has we 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 have to be careful because we did both bang our gavels in the Elf movie and say that that was officially the the meeting place of of Marty and Nancy. So True. where does this movie fall? <laughs> maybe maybe he goes back to his military career after. Uh, he and Nancy break up, and then this picks this movie picks up after Home Improvement. Oh, I see. Yeah, this is this is after all is is said and done. He, his his initial exposure to Alf, and then his long term exposure to <laughs> Tim is finally what what makes him decide to kill humanity. I think personally, I think this is more of an everything, everywhere, all at once situation. So there's diverging mm-hmm. paths. So the the path we've been following is he was a military officer who had an adventure with Alf, then went into witness protection and, yeah. and, and you know, and his marriage fell apart and he moved in with his brother. There is another path that says that after his adventure with Alf, his relationship with Nancy falls apart and he transfers to become a fighter pilot and goes insane because 
mostly because of Alf, probably because Alf also yeah. ruined the relationship. So well, it explains his hot dog fingers. <laughs> I Alf would try to eat those hot dog fingers. <laughs> I wish I lived in that universe all the time. No, German, we left that in the past. <laughs> I no, I, I, no, I thought I thought that we'd left Alf in the past too, but he keeps showing up in shit. He keeps appearing on Mr. Robot. Um <laughs> so doesn't he does not appear in this movie, thank God. I mean, um, he could he could be in, he, knowing Alf, he's probably inside one of those casinos that we get an exterior shot of when they're about to drop <laughs> the bomb. He's just uh, he's he's placed a really big bet. Um here here's I want to do something a little bit different with this movie if okay. you don't mind. Yeah, because there's really no breaking it down. Here's what happened. I'll, I'll do the breakdown for yeah. it. Okay, uh, they do a la Top Gun. They have a training simulation where William O'Leary has been tasked with uh, being the antagonist to a bunch of new recruits. Yeah, and he goes a little bit too far because he's so good that he scares one of the new new boys, and yeah. the new boys complains. And um, but, uh, once I, they're ground. I, I just to, yeah. just to clarify, this is a this is an in the air testing. This is not a flight simulator. Yes, they yes, are yes, flying yes. actual jets around, and he nearly crashes into one of the one of the right. trainees. Go on. What what was it in Top Gun when he we uh, storms the tower? What do you call that? Well, he buzzes he buzzes the tower yeah. in Top Gun. Yeah. He just flies too low and flies right past the uh, the control yeah. tower over the He's, airfield. This- William O'Leary is buzzing the tower, and the tower is this guy's head. Yes, uh, and in the air. And cr- crucially, because uh, the effect of him flying head on at another jet and then flying past them is very easy to achieve by just editing different uh, public domain <laughs> shots of fighter jets flying around uh, yeah. with one flipped in one direction and one flipped in the other to make it look like they're about to crash. So once they're on the ground, the uh, the flight instructor just tells William O'Leary, "You're so good, but you have to you have to pull back." Uh, mm. I you know that's where he says, "You're the one." Yeah. Then. William O'Leary has some some time off because it's his birthday. He goes to stay with his parents. He is clearly suffering from some PTSD stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to make light of military people having to deal with that because that is a real fucking thing. Um, I don't. And... I don't even. I don't even know if it's PTSD or if he's just sort of like got inherent problems. I don't even. It's never said that he's even well, that's, been that's in combat. Well, that's the problem with movies like this where you know people that have gone through the military suffer a lot of stuff like that and True. this movie kind of makes it out to question whether or not it was just ingrained in them to begin with or if it's something they suffered on the field mm-hmm. you know, fair point clearly yeah. we need to you know support mental health uh in all situations so yes um bang gavels on that too it's it uh, just acknowledging that so that we don't have to you know actually dig into the <laughs> the Really dark moment when he puts a rifle butt in his mouth. Uh, yeah, or the, the the barrel. Yeah, the, yeah, barrel. Yeah. Did you um, did you say nozzle of the rifle? I don't want to yeah. trivialize the scene, but yeah, I said butt and then I said nozzle. Okay, that's fine. Hey, man, uh, you know butts and nozzles. We're having we're having a good time. We're laughing about other stuff, but not about um, this very dark <laughs> moment. At my dumbness for this character who's having a hard time. Yeah. Okay, so th- that's the context. Basically, he goes home. That's he's already experiencing these delusions of grandeur. He kills his family. Then he decides he's going to go get the nuke. He holds someone hostage to get the nuke authorized. The person authorizes it to put it on the plane. He starts flying away. He lands, takes someone hostage, and activates the nuke. But they go on the run. 
uh, to town to get a few things. And once they get back up in the air, the Air Force has caught back up with them and we have a very abrupt ending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's essentially the movie. So I just wanted to synopsize, like, that's the chronology of it. And I want to do something a little bit different by just talking about this movie in chunks. Yeah, let's chunk it up. It, it, okay. is, a, it is a very simple, straightforward movie with just a lot of big moments. So I, I feel like if we're going to talk about performance, that it's going to be a long conversation. So I, yeah. I, I'm almost... Where do you want to start with this thing? Because I almost feel like that's that's a little too big to. Yeah, I mean, let's talk. Okay, I want to, here. Here's what people I think need to know. Yeah, tone. Let's talk about tone. The, yes, let's talk about tone. This movie, from the trailer that we watched to decide we were going to watch this movie, I'm thinking, okay, it's just a straight up Top Gun ripoff. It's yeah, just going to be like, hijinks. A big. A big uh, mockbuster, 1990s version of a mockbuster, uh, you know, William O'Leary starring in a, a Michael Fay. <laughs> what's a, what's a, uh, Michael May. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, this is, this is Transmorphers, basically. It's <laughs> exactly, what we thought. Exactly. We, we thought we were getting Transmorphers, but this movie pretty quickly after the initial dogfight transmorphs into a uh, much darker and and more intense movie that honestly in these like after he goes home and is visiting his family it it turns into like kind of a, a, a like a psychological thriller like a dollar store darren aronofsky sort of thing like long shots of him like lying on his bed and staring at his ceiling and yeah then the model fighter jets hanging there or like him opening the the he's staying in his childhood bedroom and he opens the the footlocker and it's just full of guns it's just right away you know, this is a heavier tone being someone who watches a lot of horror movies and exploitation movies mm-hmm. i i will say this has the same sort of vibe as a low rent um what are some cheap thrills we can give the audience and just like let's not care too much about the nuance of their emotions as long as we can make them feel something if mm-hmm. it's just generally uncomfortable you know we can <laughs> cram a few guns in there and a few like this dude's insane and we don't know what he's gonna do scenes uh, yeah because when he shoots his family like that is on par with anything in the amityville movies it it comes out of i i mean he's he's gone out shooting with his rifle and his parents have given him a new scope and and he is you know he's had a, a moment in the desert where he considers taking his own life but then he's back at home and he just gets up to go in the next room, and you're just watching the family watching TV, and then you just, like, the dad's chest just bursts open, and you're hearing gunshots. Like, it's startling. Admittedly, yeah. I think we all kind of saw it coming. There aren't a lot of... Often in movies, the character who is staring at his ceiling and then looking at his guns doesn't just be a chill dude for the rest of the movie and not kill people. But, uh... <laughs> right, right. It, it's, it, it's the sort of thing, honestly, where I'm watching it like... Thinking this was a this was on TV like today I feel like putting something like this on TV it wouldn't be fronted by fighter jets flying around it would be fronted by like you know well first like you know this uh, this this program contains disturbing imagery and is not you know like there would be like right, a, right. and then after the episode there'd be like a roundtable discussion hosted by Oprah or something about <laughs> mental illness and gun violence yeah. like this this movie kind of takes for 
lurid purposes, uh, uh, things that just, you know, are, were facts of life then, but now have become so much more prevalent in life that it's, I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the movie for putting this stuff in there, because I think, honestly, the movie's pretty effective in a lot of ways. It's just, today, these, these things are so present in the news, and we are confronted with things like this happening seemingly so frequently that making a movie about it, it couldn't be like kind of this action-y, maybe slightly exploitative thriller. It would be like yeah. an issues movie with like big A-list cast in it going right. for Emmys. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I just want to completely back that. Like th this is not a movie that could exist in 2023, uh, yeah. being produced in 2023. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's partly, I don't know, why I'm so fascinated with exploitation movies. Uh, not through any sort of, like, titillation or, or vicariousness, just, like, a certain, I don't know. Uh, uh, I, I've never really been able to articulate it. Like, I there's just something, there's something industrious about it and capitalistic about it of, like, we had a hit movie, we need we have an opportunity to make another one. Like the Italians were were big oh, proponents yes. of <laughs> Alien did big. What if we just did a movie called Alien Two on Earth? That is a complete <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with the original Alien. Um, I mean, there's or, something like or, or the fact that they didn't they make their own like a whole series of Night of the Living Dead supposed sequels or something. Oh God, that's a whole other whole other. <laughs> Whole other thing. Okay, uh, I don't have okay. time to get into that. Yeah, no, no but, time for an Italian cinema digressions. We we know how yeah, those can oh God, go. God, no. <laughs> Trust me. You, yeah, you don't want to go into the Dawn of the Dead and zombie nonsense. And in, in this in particular, Jesus Christ. In in this case, there is no room for giallo. So go on. <laughs> but this one I find interesting because it's like, you know, we need something. And I'm wondering if this ever did show on TV or why. How do you classify it as a TV movie? I can't find any broadcast information about this um anyway sorry i'm diverging the point is like the somehow they got the green light to make a movie top gun was big in 86 full metal jacket came out in 1988 mm -hmm. and it, it's just kind of like this idea slides through time accumulating these aspects of other movies and ends up in this form like with with not name actors kind of touching on similar issues but not necessarily in a glib way it's very this this movie treats the subject matter seriously even yes. if it is so over the top <laughs> it, it's 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 almost it, it borders on camp in how over the top it is it's definitely mm -hmm. not there is no levity there are no jokes in this like it it yeah it, it does take it like seriously it, just in kind of a sleazy way <laughs> There, there's a there's a shift a little bit after this 1990, like in the mid 90s. I feel like maybe around like Natural Born Killers. Mm -hmm. There's this this shift in thrillers that's like we know we're making a thriller, and yeah. you're gonna we know you fucking sick fucks love watching this stuff, so we're gonna really push it. And there's this sort of like tongue in cheek aspect that comes out of watch how unpredictable we can be. Yeah, and I Truman, hold me back, hold me back, hold uh, me back. I, careful. I want to point. I, I have to. I want to point a finger at a certain someone, uh, that that pushes in that direction. But yes, 
Yes. You know, with with your your two romances and your Reservoir Dogs and your other fucking movies. Um, I, I mean, and and then also that person who shall not be named on this podcast, his movies he's made, you know, his his pulps fiction and what have you, they then spawned, I think in the later 90s, their own series of kind of Black Angel style takeoffs yeah. where it's but, just... But the, 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 the core difference pre... <laughs> Pre-QT and after QT mm-hmm. uh, is that you get a movie like this pre-Tarantino yeah. that takes itself seriously. And after Tarantino, every movie thinks it's so fucking clever. Yeah. And th- there's a huge dividing th- point there. You are never going to believe how many heads are in this duffel bag. You simply you, you just <laughs> it's the the twists keep on coming. <laughs> How, how many things do you think there are to do in Denver when you're dead? Well, the answer might surprise you. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it. This made me, I don't know, not nostalgic, but just kind of like, oh, I wish we had continued to develop more sincere thrillers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think my only add-on to that is just, I, I would again say that it just, it feels... It feels so strange that there aren't a couple of sex scenes in this movie. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that I want them there. I'm just saying every other aspect of this movie is dark and serious and and for the dads. It just makes sense like that he would go to a... See, I don't know. I mean, again, that, provided that, it's for broadcast, obviously not. But if this was actually well, a like it, Showtime or HBO movie, it's like he, he goes to a strip club or something. It feels like that should be there. Well, yeah, that's like the taxi driver aspect of it, right? And to me, there's something fascinating that there is literally no romance in this. There's yeah. no, like, no indication of it at all. There's yeah. no Kelly McGillis. Like, they yes. they looked at Top Gun and went, you know what? <laughs> let's take the romance out of that. And instead of the romance, let's put in the top part of Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I had not thought about I had not thought about the fact that Full Metal Jacket came out so close to this, but it, it really, it's like they, they mashed up, I feel like, Top Gun and then two of their favorite Kubrick movies, because the the concept of a crazy military guy hijacking a nuclear weapon and going rogue, it is really a, it is really a Dr. Strangelove bit, too. <laughs> so, yeah, they're seasoning um, it with so many things. Yeah, would Peter Sellers make this better? No, I, I actually, okay, I, Truman, playing I, I'm going to make a... I'm going to make a spicy opinion here. He plays the husband in the family. He plays the wife. He plays the baby. Eh? (laughs) No. Okay, what's what's your observation? Not an observation, a spicy opinion. What's your spicy opinion? For what it is, I think this is one of the better movies we've covered. No, without a doubt, yes. This is is a honestly pretty good movie. I would... You know, I was watching. I was watching it and just being like, I'm actually pretty engrossed in the plot. Like, it's not. It's not gonna win any Oscars or even Emmys because it probably wouldn't be eligible for Oscars. But it's um, it's, it's exciting for a movie that it goes remarkably hard for a movie that is forty percent edited together <laughs> stock footage of fighter jets yeah. flying around. They yeah. with they made and, a pretty con- and yeah and uh, uh military targets exploding yes yes you know there's a there's a wonderful mystery science theater episode called the starfighters which is uh, again a movie that is basically (laughs) just footage from an air force test range in the 60s interspersed with some boring character scenes like black angel shows how you can take 
that concept and actually make it pretty good. Like this is, it's yeah, it's good. It's, I think I, I enjoyed it far more than any of the County lines. I have to say, even in, (laughs) I I have, (laughs) I enjoy them maybe equally on, on very different criteria. Yes. Landon loves all his children equally, but I pick favorites (laughs) and this movie just, I feel like they budgetarily were probably similar, but this one, maybe by virtue of having a lead actor who can actually uh, has some range and and even can run <laughs> when the when the scene calls for it, takes us to I think more exciting places. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wait. Actually, and so long as we're praising this movie, uh, do you want to read the poll quote on the cover of the VHS, or should I read the poll quote on the cover of the VHS? <laughs> the one I sent you. Yes. Uh, let me. I think I had that still pulled up. Um, okay, I got it. Okay. <laughs> a crisp and scary high-tech thriller that improves upon Die Hard 2. <laughs> USA Today. You you left something out, which is the three dots between high-tech thriller and that improves on Die Hard 2. So, <laughs> very- leaving a lot out there. I, 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 you know what? Look, I have to, I have to admire setting a low bar for yourself, improving on Die Hard 2, which is a (laughs) really, really bad movie. Honestly, though, if Die Hard 2, if Die Hard 2, if it were a 90 minute made for TV movie and it had the exact same budget as Flight of Black Angel, I would probably, but everything else would just, was the same, but it just had the limited scale of this. I would probably forgive its flaws more. (laughs) <laughs> I, you, you and I divert a little bit on on Die Hard too. We've talked about this in the past. I, I oh, I'm I'm sorry. I guess I guess Landon just believes every movie that starts with naked karate is immediately good. I forgot about that rule. I, no, I don't. I'm not I'm not sticking up for its quality, but I, I can't. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I just I have. I don't know. I, I, you I have a soft you, spot for it. Uh, yeah, you you the soft spot where the movie karate chopped you in the nude. I I understand. Um yeah, but so it's a it's a it's a it is a it is a crisp and scary uh high-tech thriller. And in fact, I do think it improves on Die Hard 2. I know we have our our disagreements there. I mean, I would there. agree with that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it it's it's a it's certainly an improvement. Um okay, it's, what else is I mean, oh, but it, it's not without its, you know, story and plot flaws. Like there the the i don't know the the scenes of the pursuit the like the military side of things yes. honestly feels a lot like project elf in that it's like oh yeah i forgot that there's a whole military apparatus that's supposed to be pursuing him yeah yeah i i i kind of see he ta- so he takes off with his stolen missiles and guns in his nuke and he shoots down all of the other you know he's up on a test flight with all these other guys he shoots we, them okay, all down right. we, let's let's break down some of these sequences because uh, we <laughs> we really need to like talk about how easy it is to get a nuke on a plane <laughs> uh, yeah get, get getting nukes in this movie is about as easy as getting a gun anywhere in america you kind of just have to ask the right way <laughs> um uh, it it's was shocking, and I hope that that's not a reality. <laughs> oh, Landon, please don't, please don't read the Wikipedia article about the half dozen times nuclear weapons have been lost by the military on U.S. soil, because uh, it okay. will make you unhappy. The scales will fall from your eyes. Um, yes. Barely there to begin with. So he he 
he has killed his parents and he goes back to uh back to the air force base and basically all, the way that he is able to get his plane outfitted with all the weapons he needs to put his uh, plan in motion is he just goes and talks to the secretary for one of the generals at the base and yeah. at first tries to you know he hands her this manifest and says oh yeah we just need you to change the loadout for today's mission they want me to have all these things and she kind of starts to comply and then is skeptical about it and then he holds a gun to her head and and makes her uh make all the changes um one important moment in this scene that I want to call out uh, is that he is, well, she refuses to comply. He winds up strangling her. I'm not, you know, that's, that's, that's brutal. Don't do that. I do not approve of strangling of people. I don't think it's a lighthearted activity, but she's dead. He's in there. He's making the, a, the changes on the computer himself. And then someone knocks at the door and he looks up. And I'm reminded of the scene in Project Alf where he is trying to kidnap Alf and then someone knocks at the door and he does an Alf impression and tells him to go away. And for one second, I'm like, is he going to do a perfect impression of the secretary he just strangled and get the person to go away? Is that like a, is that like a thing in William O'Leary's career? He's like, I don't know, uh, Robert Patrick in the Terminator movies? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I love you, honey. Just come home. <laughs> uh, but no, he does not do that. Instead, like in the uh, Hitman video games, he drags her dead body into a closet and hides there as well, and no one can see him. Uh, but yeah. It, yeah, it's but so and, then that's it though. That's all he has to do to get a nuclear weapon authorized for his plane. Well, not not exactly, because then he goes to the 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 bay where they load stuff on and like there's the guy there the like the last stand between you know a maniac and humanity the person who actually loads a nuke onto a plane is like this is just for maneuvers i'm not supposed to be putting a live active nuclear bomb on your your plane and, and all marty really says is like well yeah this is a little different he's like well okay i guess so yeah, you know, and I mean, I both agree that, that yes, it is shockingly easy, and he, he does not have to, I mean, I'm okay, I don't know if I'd say shockingly easy, he does have to full-on murder a woman with his bare hands, that is some effort he puts into this, but, like, I, I, I agree that it's pretty easy for him to do this, but at the same time, I, I don't know, if you've known anyone who's been in the military or heard any stories about how the military operates, it, it is... Really, I mean, just it comes down to that guy is a lower rank than him. He's telling the guy to do it. And also, it's like ev everybody's just there doing their job. And I don't know if, I don't know about you folks, but sometimes it's Friday afternoon and I don't do a very good job at my job. And I think that uh, I think that's the case in just, a lot of I just areas. Hope with, I just hope with nukes that's not the case. And also, uh, I, I have heard about that, but it's been entirely from movies, the rank thing. Uh, mm. I, I have not heard from actual people in the military that that's the case, and I would hope that someone who has to load a nuclear weapon onto a <laughs> onto a plane that's headed for Las Vegas would maybe go, I'm going to need some corroboration. <laughs> you know, this is the I, first I'm hearing from it. You're the only person I'm hearing it from. I know you're my superior, but I have to do my due diligence here. I, I suppose, yeah, I suppose rank doesn't preclude you from making, like, a single phone call before you just start strapping nukes to every plane that asks for them. I, we, we skipped over a little bit, and I, I've, you know, going through that sequence, I, I, I don't feel like we've quite, like, painted out the mental state that William O'Leary is in. 
uh, when he does this. Like, he's not in, like, maniac mode. No, um, no. He's not, like, I've got a, you know, grand plan. I mean, he does have a grand plan. He's clearly delusional, but, like, the the sequences before he kills his family, leading up to that, when he's at home and he's, like, falling into this delusion, there's a lot of just, like, staring off into space and, yeah. like, looking. He's grilling some barbecued ribs at one point. It's one of those things where uh, this is kind of a trope of these sorts yes. of movies where he kind of, like, loses himself in the flames and the smoke surrounding the the searing flesh. Mm-hmm. And then someone has to, like, come out. His mom comes out and says something to him, and he kind of snaps out of it. Like, yeah. he's he's clearly in his head. Yeah. And, and he's... He's clearly in his head, but it also, whatever is the cause of his mania, it certainly doesn't seem to be, like, it doesn't seem to be his parents at all. Like, his parents seem, like, they at one point tell him how proud they are of him. Like, his parents are not mean. His parents don't seem to be religious fanatics. I mean, his mom is a little overbearing, but that's... Let's break this open. Yeah. Because I I got a sense, watching it, watching the, the... the birth because it's his birthday. He's going. He's on leave for his birthday. He yeah. goes home for this big dinner. There's a tension at the dinner table. There's something unspoken. It's not given a lot of of you know real estate here, but there there's clearly an odd dynamic with this. And I do feel like because he has a little brother and his yeah. you know, mom and dad, and they they do seem to be walking on on pins and needles a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, they all seem. Yeah, there seems to be this sense of of I don't know, almost almost fear between them or or something. It's not like based in animosity, but just all of them seem to think the next that the other one is going to do something at any moment, and they're all kind of on tender hooks. But yeah, we don't really see like the source of that. It's the the closest they come to like. I mean, it's clearly uh like the only backstory and somewhat an, an allusion to. He's maybe had an incident in the past. Maybe he's he's there. This is something kind of ingrained in him, or they they're just kind of waiting for the moment for him to snap. But they don't want to address it. They don't want to, you know, yeah. kind of Midwest politeness. Like if we don't actually address it, it doesn't actually exist. <laughs> that 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 uh, Las Vegas politeness that you always see in families in suburban Vegas. <laughs> I. Yeah, I mean, it might also it might also just be that like he's just got weird vibes and he just doesn't really get like maybe yeah. when he's not there, the other, you know, the, the parents and his and his brother, they all have a great time and everything's very warm and open. But when he's around, it's like, what the fuck is this weirdo? Why did he grow up like this? <laughs> be, because, again, it the movie just kind of posits that he he's. Like from from the first moment in the movie when he almost crashes headlong into a fellow fighter pilot to prove a point, it's just clear this guy's just kind of nuts. He's just a weird dude, and that's that. And that's that's all the insight we ever get into right. why he's doing this. Is just yeah, weird <laughs> weird guy, crazy. I, I've been watching a lot of westerns lately. Yeah, uh, and there's something that's like, um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Uh, on one of the the uh, dollars trilogy from uh, Leone, uh, mm-hmm. the I was listening to a commentary, and Christopher Frailing is the the Sergio Leone historian. He yeah. phrased it as like in classic Hollywood movies, the hero is the best shot, mm-hmm. but in spaghetti westerns, the best shot is the hero. 
and there, there's mm. a slight difference there. And the the question that I think when you put a character like that at the center of your movie, it, and tying it to this movie, like he's clearly the best, and he can go within an inch of this other plane and be fine. Like he's great at that. He is the best of the best. But to get that way, do you really want someone that fanatical to to be that perfect? Yeah, uh, leading the charge or like, I think there's got to be a point of no return of like we want you know Navy SEAL level Marines, <laughs> but well, you know branches, if that Navy yes. SEAL can shoot the fly uh, wing off a fly, how did he? <laughs> what is he doing in his spare time to get that good? And should we be asking questions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, kind of, kind of like Full Metal Jacket. It's ta- it's taking the same attitude of like, well, the this this the system. You're training these people to become killers, and then you're surprised when one of them goes completely crazy. When you have dehumanized these people and broken them down into their component parts and made them revere weaponry, we are we then shocked when it uh, when it does exactly what it's designed to do, but maybe with a different right. target than you wanted. Uh. Yeah, okay, we're veering into to, to, to scary territory. I, um, <laughs> no, okay, let's go back to talking about Las Vegas getting nuked. That's fine. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Yes. <laughs> but so he he is able to get, uh, you know, hooked up with uh, with all these missiles and, and, and bombs and a nuke and everything. He goes up on training exercises, shoots down all of his fellow pilots. And then something that, that happens that I didn't, initially realized because of the variety of stock footage that was used is he flies back around and he bombs the entire airbase that he came from yes. thereby rendering them incapable of getting planes in the air to capture him and then he Which flies away an interesting choice at first like when he kills his family he just like leaves them where they got shot yes and it's clearly like he he knows he's on you know, uh, this is a suicide mission. There, there's no turning back. It doesn't matter if they catch me. You know, because I'll be, I'll have achieved my, uh, you know, a goal by the time they figure this out. Yeah. And so there, there's when he left the the family there. It was initially like, oh, this is a strange choice. When he bombed the base, it was clearly like, oh yeah, well, they're gonna know he stole the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and that he has a nuke like he's not going to get far without them having that knowledge well they we might mean, as well debilitate them while i can yeah i mean they like they they already know that he shot down all of the other guys up there with him because they've called in and said oh shit uh you know eddie is shooting us down it, it's just in that scene it's uh, the you know, we, we're intercutting between shots of his superiors in a dark room full of computers, which is standing in for a military command center, and and doing so pretty effectively, might I add. And then stock, you know, they're they're saying, oh, we're launching surface to air missiles at him, and then all this stock footage from like I feel like three different decades of missiles shooting up into the sky, <laughs> and then back to them saying, oh no, he's coming around and he's bombing all of our positions, and then shots of shit exploding on the ground again from three different wars and <laughs> i and 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 for me i'm thinking like okay so we blew up their their missiles right because all i saw was missile trucks blowing up but then about 20 minutes later or i don't know some amount of time later they talk about how oh yes all our planes our our whole airfield has been destroyed and it's like oh oh i didn't okay this is very I didn't get that the the exploding trucks were representative of the entire base. They didn't have stock footage of a military <laughs> well, base blowing up, so they couldn't do that. 
Yeah, but one of the things they do show, which I think is very important and indicative of their their capabilities, is he does shoot down like a, a major control tower that sends the planes off and, and he, is able to kind of guide them. He does he does blow up a control tower. I didn't I didn't see that. I blinked and I missed the big control tower scene. Uh, there, I, guess. I mean, it happens quick. Yeah, it is a blink and you miss it sort of situation. But yeah, there's like a you know remember there there he's getting. Uh, tracked on a radar and then this movie is a lot of shots of people getting tracked on radars so I remember a lot of them <laughs> well he, he's tracked on the radar at one point and he says okay we got him on lock and then you know that's when he goes and blows him up yeah yeah um but so he he does he does all of this and this is what's kind of uh this is what flummoxes their initial response to him and then he he flies off and uh and I it, you know, flies off and disappears because he has radar jamming technology. And I, I don't know. I watching watching this, and it's it's just amazing. You know, thinking about about the concept of this happening, and that we we sacrifice an entire generation's uh, education and healthcare and all these things we could have spent the money on to build the most high tech uh, air force on the planet, and then they get in they get their pants pulled down by one nutty uh christian homeschooled kid and then it's like oh we can't we yeah we can't find the expensive fighter jet with the nukes on it and we can't launch our planes anymore it's i don't know it's it's just sort of a sort of a searing indictment of the military industrial complex that they weren't they weren't (laughs) better prepared for this uh yeah yeah Calls coming I, I, from inside the house. I, I, okay, yeah. So I again, I'm, I'm I'm getting I'm getting too dark. I'm getting too dark. The call is coming from. I mean, the movie's dark. The movie is very dark. Yes. When you it, really scratch below the very thin surface, this is a dark, bleak, maybe the bleakest movie we've done. Oh no! Again, crazy on the outside is the bleakest movie we've ever done. <laughs> um, also, murder, murder in Cowita County ends with Andy Griffith getting electrocuted. <laughs> well, let's never forget. What, That's... Do you th- what is okay? Andy Griffith literally shaved head in the electric chair. The switch is thrown. Versus this this crusade, this ill this this ill fated crusade. And William O'Leary yeah. and the other guy getting killed at the end. Yes, yeah, the 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 them both getting vaporized in a ball of nuclear flame, and then watching it on TV is the widowed woman whose husband was killed by William O'Leary and who herself was very grievously injured by him, comforting the baby that will grow up fatherless now. Yeah, I think this is actually this is the darkest one. It's because the, just the body count, the sheer amount of cruelty in this movie is 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 pretty high. Let's talk. You know what, Landon? Let's go next, unless you have a better idea. Okay. To uh, when when William O'Leary lands his plane after blowing up the airbase, hides it in a yeah, barn, yeah. and winds up taking uh, a a young cute family hostage. <laughs> All right, I want to start this section with a question, which is: Yes, how do you? Without an air force base, how do you land a jet? Yes, a jet plane, I, and how I, do you take it off again? I, you know what, the, the, through the magic of editing from stock footage of a jet flying to then a shot of a uh, fighter jet in a barn, you don't have to answer that question. You just assume <laughs> that the same magical technology that makes it possible to blow up an entire military base also allows you to land on, I guess, some loose sand. I, 
My, my, my impression. I mean, it's not even like they're in the middle of the desert where there's nothing around them. Like he, he lands and they're like in a barn. <laughs> like yeah, he, there are, how do you land a jet that goes that? Let me, okay. Now I'm going to dig into the YouTube comments. Oh boy. Uh, a K for the salt mirage jet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. One of my favorites. You, how do you land that? Uh, well, as the person says, he flies one of my all-time favorites, favorite jets, a Kafer slash Dassault Mirage. Uh, mm-hmm. is, that, is, that one of, is that one of your favorite jets, Landon? Does that, <laughs> do, where, where does that rank in your top like 15 favorite fighter jets? Uh, one of my favorite jets is um, Mr. Jacoby, Dr. Jacoby from Twin Peaks, because he mm-hmm. was in West Side Story. Ah. Um very good. Very good. Damn it. That was the, I was going to make a West Side Story joke too. I think I think my favorite jet, it's a tie between all of the jets that hang out with Benny. I think that's uh, uh, those ones are my favorite. Um yeah. Wouldn't so, it be anyway. wouldn't it be great if the guy who played Benny on Home Improvement was in this? Oh my god, the the jokes we would make, the fun we would have. It'd probably be kind of similar to this joke, really. Um so he, but he lands, yeah, he lands, he hides it in a barn, a barn that is just a completely unattended barn <laughs> Wait, that is know, fighter Benny jet would, sized. Benny would play the the mechanic that is tasked with loading the nuke oh, on the plane, and only God. in that situation would I actually believe that the nuke could get on a plane. The the, the role he was born to play, and, and you know, he's eating, he's eating donuts that, <laughs> that, that, that like someone else brought in. powdered sugar all over the nuke. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess I'll put the nuke on your plane. Hey, can I come over to your place for Thanksgiving after I put the nuke on your plane? I don't, I don't know about this. And then Marty just kind of, you know, pockets a, a a powdered sugar donut and says, "Well, <laughs> you can't." I don't know. I'm not good at one-liners off the dome. I, I, I mean, I Wasn't mean, that look, good at content. He, he's, he, he is saying, "I, I don't know about putting a nuke on this plane." And Dolores just gives him the look, and then he goes, "Okay, okay, I'll put the nuke on the plane." <laughs> that's content uh, we, we did i have as usual i have the movie playing in the background and i guess this is the only time i'm going to be able to mention this we don't have a volleyball scene a la <laughs> yeah um, top gun <laughs> no we do not but still a little something for the moms we 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 have a five second shirts for skins pickup basketball game on on the uh on the uh air base um, yeah, as as the instructors coming over to talk to the newbies. Do you think that was military stock footage too that they just they just cut in? <laughs> Maybe. Did you know? I think one of the um, let me look at the cast list here. I think that one of the um, the the guy who filed the complaint, I mm-hmm. think he is a tank from uh, the Matrix. Oh, okay. You know what? Actually, yeah, he did look kind of similar to Tank. I'm trying to find his name interesting and that i can't do it interesting that the actor famous for playing a guy named tank was in a movie about jets well it makes you think doesn't jump it the conclusions yet i don't know that it was him you know I, I think can't. i i think i think there are a few things we know for sure in this world but one of them is that tank from the matrix was also in the movie flight of black angel <laughs> uh in which he did not drive don't, a tank don't, don't go to your local trivia you know, and and answer that question that way without verifying it. I I can't yet verify it. Oh, you know, it was if, it was. The oh, Matrix, it was. Tank. Oh, okay, was right. perfect. Then do Marcus go to your Chung. local trivia and answer the flight of Black Angel question about that, and uh, you might even win a free nuclear weapon. Um, Isn't that worth waiting for? I think so. Absolutely, the payoff was just so delicious. So Thank you. he lands his plane, and he 
like we we meet this family the, the the you know two young parents Richard and Valerie who are driving along in their minivan they get buzzed by William O'Leary's plane coming in for a landing and then they just kind of decide to go investigate they say oh let's go check it out I don't I don't know I don't know why like if I see a fighter jet flying low I'm inclined <laughs> to go the opposite direction from that because I'm not equipped to deal with whatever business that fighter jet has in mind. Uh, I mean, listen, I live near an Air Force base, and we get fighter jets all the time. Um, I I have stopped looking up. I'll say that much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it just becomes, you know, becomes a part of the background of your life. I mean, maybe these people are are Amish, except for their van, and so it's, you know, they want to go see where that weird iron bird went to. Um, but, Perhaps. yeah, they, they, go, they go looking around. They then... Like, they, they turn the van around while the plane has just flown over them, go driving back up the road, and then are looking, they stop and they're looking around, and they can't see any sign of the plane, and then William O'Leary ambushes them with his gun and takes them hostage. So it's like William O'Leary lands his fighter jet, gets it hidden inside a barn, runs back to the road, and hides, and somehow executes this ambush on them from out of nowhere. I mean, it's it's very it's very impressive work, and I hope that... that if he's just doing this by the seat of his pants and there just happened to be a fighter jet-sized barn there and he was able to get it parked right away, that's... <laughs> God truly is on his side. Yeah. Maybe God really wants Vegas to be nuked. Maybe this well, is a tragedy and that he doesn't succeed. I don't know. I mean, they tried again in Con Air a couple years later. Yeah, true, you know, more more great movies about, uh, more great movies about planes. In Vegas. Also, um, Honeymoon in Vegas. They got all those, those flying Elvises <laughs> jumping out of a plane. <laughs> Uh, this movie could have done oh, with some Lord. Elvises. That would have lightened things up a little bit. <laughs> uh, I mean, that that would have been like the the big Hollywood version of this movie is that he does get like over uh, Vegas with it, and it it brings us you know the tension and the suspense to that point, mm-hmm. um, you know, into like a, a true thrill ride. Yeah, this this is definitely thrilling, but isn't doesn't have that like big movie patina where. The fighter jet is flying over Vegas with the nuke, like the the doors are open and you see the nuke hovering. You know, you get that bird's eye view shot above yeah. the nuke looking down on Vegas and like cut to an Elvis impersonator on the street looking up at the flight, you know, the, oh, the jet God. going over and go like, what's going on, man? <laughs> well, that looks like a hunk of hunk of burning love flying right down towards us. <laughs> And that would have been that would have been painted on the he would in the barn he would have been painted hunga hunga burning love on the side of the the nuke. <laughs> so he's got so he's he's got the family he's got them hostage in in the barn. I I don't know. I guess why he takes them hostage really in the first place. I guess because he needs their van their van which also. They're starting to call the oh, actually I guess this is why they're starting to call the police from their van when he stops them with his gun to report that this plane came in for landing. But they have just, like, a CB radio in their minivan, and they're they're tourists mm-hmm. from out of state. Like, they've got Massachusetts plate on their car. Why, it's never explained why they have a CB radio. Oh, I think that was... That I, it was more commonplace than you think. Really? I, I knew a lot of people with CB radios, yeah. Really? Wow! Yeah, my grandpa had one. I mean, granted, he was uh, grew up a trucker, or he was a trucker. Um, but I, I've known people, especially in vans, that would have CB radios. One hundred percent. Wow! I guess I guess I just you know I wasn't there for the movie Convoy and its uh, and its downstream <laughs> impacts of the trucker craze. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty big. In fact, somewhere around here, I have a leather-bound CB radio code book. Ooh. I don't but, know. Yeah, I, I haven't un- unloaded it from packing yet, but... Um, you haven't had use I do for have one. CB radio codes in all these years you've been in Wisconsin? <laughs> all those years I've been doing road trips. Yeah. Uh but I, I so he's got this family. They're hostage in this barn. They but take the, a trip the, into the question, town. I mean, I want to hold on. I, I, before we go I, I, to your point, I mean, like he's killed his family. He's blown up an air force base. Yeah, there's no reason he couldn't just shoot them. Yeah, true. It doesn't make <laughs> and, a and whole take lot their of sense. van. I mean, yeah. there there is no reason for the hostage situation. Yeah, it's not like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why he, fe- unless the baby has something to do with it, but he doesn't even seem like, I don't know, if, you, if you'd if you shoot your own family, I don't know why then you would be, why like seeing that this family has a baby is going to make you go all soft at the last minute. Well, yeah, I mean. Also, how many babies that- are in Vegas at, at any given time? <laughs> That's just a good question for life. That's like a trivia question. How many babies are there in Las Vegas at any given moment? Someone find that out and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be a website that only has a up to minute up uh live stream of the number uh, yes and it changes periodically as families come and go yeah um, yeah vegasbabycount.org yeah i think there there is a little bit of evidence to this question though later on it's not very well drawn together but there is a point when he is uh, taking the wife and the baby leaving the husband back at the barn tied up uh into town and he's holding the baby while he's making her drive. And he kind of has this like a side moment looking at the baby saying, it's so pure. Uh, it's, a, you know, and then like snaps out of it and goes, it's a shame that it's going to grow up to be corrupted, you mm-hmm. know, and blah, blah, blah. But he, he does have a moment where he's looking at it as a like, this is a a true gift from God. This is the, the purest, closest form we can be to God before you know humans get tainted and then he starts asking her why in the hell would you ever bring <laughs> bring yeah. a child into this world he he's like he, looking at the baby he looks the baby in the eye and says this is a mistake making a baby and i'm just like wow that's basically grunt works motto circa like 2017 2018 <laughs> and, and, listen and maybe 2023 but i i'm not i'm not putting that out in the world anymore well, I don't think we're not hear it we're not being judgmental about that anymore it. yeah yeah no absolutely in our in our personal lives we both uh practice the same faith as william o'leary does although we haven't nuked anything yet um <laughs> and, and i i am genuinely happy for my friends that want children and have children so uh you know i it, even though there, there's a certain amount of responsibility you have to have with a microphone in front of your face. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, we're, we're happy for our friends who have kids, even though they will grow up to get corrupted by the evil world in need of cleansing, uh, as <laughs> William O'Leary has told us. I, he also has this conversation with uh, with Valerie, the, the mother, you know, and in the conversation talking about how, oh, how can you bring a child into this world? And she says, oh, well, you know, my husband and I talked about it, bringing a baby into a world that's falling apart like this. And it's, again, me just looking at 1991 and being like, oh, oh, yeah, the world that's falling apart where the Cold War just ended and the climate is being normal. Yeah, that sounds that sounds real tough. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm just like that was that was really the time to be bringing a, a baby into the world. You guys didn't know 
I mean, even though you were in the middle of a, a nuclear incident, I guess, maybe it does feel like... You, you were a hostage of a madman who's going to blow up a major city. I suppose the world does feel pretty unstable at that point, so maybe I'm being well, too the, harsh. The, I mean, okay, this is like an inf- like a babe in arms. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is like a newborn. Um, yeah. But that said, I mean... Little little old Truman was only two years old. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> that, that could have been you. I mean, yeah. I mean, like that, that could have been me, except I'd probably be in a like a car seat or something. I wouldn't be like that small. But yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it could have been me. I'd like to think that William O'Leary would spare me under those circumstances. <laughs> I, I, um, even though I have to, I have had the the shit corrupted out of me by this world. Oh boy. <laughs> I you know maybe you know, well, like, that's kind of what I was getting to is like the the <laughs> um you said what a time to be to be brought up in and yeah uh, you know man, I, true. I think you, pointing to yourself is evidence of that I mean well yeah that's true I mean I guess what he's saying is is that yeah this this things are gonna be pretty chill for the first half or so of this kid's life and then it's all gonna go off the rails <laughs> they're gonna be th- this baby will be a very cynical thirty year old um. <laughs> Well, yeah, so he, he does, I guess he does have this this reverence for the child, and he also, there's a weird moment when, like, later in the barn when she's breastfeeding the baby, and he's kind of looking awkward and being and being weird about it, which, sug- I, he seems most conflicted when he's interacting with her, which is just a shame that her character doesn't have more to do except, you know, try relatively unsuccessfully to, to get help. Actually, no, she, no, I guess she does do a good job of getting help. They... They've gone into town to get supplies, and she's using yeah, the, travelers' checks. And are we she, gonna? Yeah, this this segue into that that whole section because I think this is kind of an interesting. I know it's like inserting yet another movie genre into this movie. <laughs> yeah, he is William O'Leary has had to had to fiddle with the nuclear bomb on the plane to get it to be extra nuclear, and in the process exposes himself to a bunch of uh, lethal radiation. So he's getting sick, so they stop for medical supplies, and he's holding on to the baby and having her pay and everything. And they go to a first store. She writes down, you know, on the back of the cashier's check when he's not looking, you know, help, being held hostage, barn 247, and the first guy doesn't see it. But then she does it at the uh, at, at, at another place, at a pharmacy, and the pharmacist does notice. And and those, those scenes are all very tense, and I kind of, like, like I, I feel this loss when the when the first guy just takes the check, doesn't look at it, and puts it in the drawer, and like her her the desperation in her eyes, and then in the next one when when the guy does see it, I feel like the, ah yes hell yeah we're gonna win this thing, but <laughs> but my big thing is just like who barn two forty seven just everyone in this like they've numbered their barns how does she know like how hell do they yeah. how do they know what this barn is. That's a that's a good point. I mean, I, I, maybe she's not counting on the store clerks knowing the barn, but if it gets into the hands of the authorities, maybe, maybe then you know that this is the thing is like, this is a short movie, and yes. I feel like with another twenty minutes, they could have spent, or um, you know, kind of peppering in those sorts of details of of her looking at her surroundings and mentally taking note of identifying factors if she does get a chance to you know, break free because yeah. she's not tied up. Her husband is. Yeah. And what's only keeping her there is her husband and the baby. Yeah. Um. So, you know, there, there is a potential, there is potentiality for her to like make a run for it and get help. And, well, and it is a very, it is kind of an interesting, uh, 
situation that's been set up where where it's he is you know she has to have her baby in the hands of this madman and that is basically keeping her on a short leash like there's a lot of i don't know dramatic uh, tension there just inherently but also Mm -hmm. opportunity for stuff for her to like be trying to do things but knowing that the first victim if anything goes wrong is going to be her kid like there's a lot of of just stress inherent in that moment i I, the, yeah. These these middle sections are honestly way more exciting to me than watching the planes fly around because this is <laughs> yes you know th- th- this is this is actual human drama playing out on people's faces even when we're intercutting the planes with people in cockpits they have a mask over you know right where a ma- where a flight mask goes on your face so it's just eye work yeah well and and it's you know performances by you know legitimate actors i i feel like they they all put in like really decent performances here yeah and there's a i don't know like this this section kind of brings in a sort of uh i don't know the vanishing vibe mm-hmm. um i i don't i'm trying to think of other hostage sorts of movies um the movie hostage like road road hostage movies like it's not quite as dark as california but mm-hmm. you know the it's it's got I don't know yeah I can't quite I can't quite find the the genre of it you know it's doesn't quite feel like Thelma and Louise obviously but there, there's a I, don't, I mean it's the, okay. the concept of a of a suicide mission being on the run from the law and in a bunch yeah. of desert towns it kind of has a bit of that in it here here's here's kind of where my brain was heading and I I. This movie, I think, achieves something very difficult to do, which yeah. is they set up pretty well that William O'Leary's character is unpredictable and mm-hmm. will do anything. Yeah. And and it does go in places I don't expect. I, but I was completely shocked when the middle section of this movie became this. <laughs> yes. However, it's not so, like... So exploitative, you know, in in some of the movies I've seen where it's like he's so out of his mind that he's just going to kill them. Mm -hmm. Like it, 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 you never really fear, I guess, for the child and and the mother, but you kind of aren't sure. Like, yeah, it, 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 it balances that perfectly. And I feel like so many movies don't do that very well, where it's like it's too bleak and you know that just. The tension comes from something. I'm gonna have to see something I don't want to see, or it goes in the other direction, and it's not good at setting up its predictable or uh, its unpredictability. And so, you just there's no tension because you know they're gonna get away. They would never kill a, a baby, and yeah. this lands like so perfectly in the middle, especially at one particular moment uh, after they go to town a couple times here. Yeah, yeah. Is this is this after the police have arrived? Yes. Well, yeah. yes. Yeah, it is. I I mean, yeah, yeah. So she so after the pharmacist sees the note, he calls the he calls the cops and meanwhile they're back at the barn, you know, and what? and the 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 husband who's been tied up to a stake all day really just out of nowhere kind of gets very salty with him. It's just like, "Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing this?" which truthfully, I also would have a lot yes. of questions if some random insane guy with a fighter jet came out of nowhere and held my family hostage overnight. I mean, I mean s- s- completely separating it from this movie, 
<laughs> that has, I mean, how it would be one of those moments in, in your waking life where you're like, there's so many odd elements to this that I, at some point I slipped into a dream. Did yeah. I run the car off the road? Am I in a coma right now? Like yeah. a jet fighter landed and then <laughs> someone with a nuke took me hostage. Like I, that doesn't happen. It is it it feels like something that would happen to Larry David and and that and that you would then realize that like four episodes ago he gave the crazy air cadet a like a secondhand copy of the Bible that made him go nuts and that then he right, like right. he some guy who he got in a fight with and like you know slashed his tires that guy wasn't able to get to work to supervise the nukes I, so his idiot assistant had to do it and yeah. I would just love to see the scene where Larry David pushes him <laughs> so far, just annoys him so much, and then you know he says he's going to shoot him, and then he goes, "Really?" And <laughs> then there's that the moment of Larry David just kind of staring, you know, trying to break through his you know facade with his stares to go, "Are you lying right now?" Yeah, that yeah, just just both nodding at each other. <laughs> okay, okay. Are you bluffing? I'm not bluffing. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a bad thing to have happen. I think to have a man fall out of the sky and take you hostage. Yeah, sorry, um, I, I took us on a, a, a sidetrack. We were talking about the track. cop showing up and this guy getting salty. Yeah. So, so a- anyway, they yeah they have uh, they they're at they're at the barn. They are trying to just pleading and saying like, just let us go, man. What's your end game? What are you trying to do? And then a police car shows up, and we get the first of. Many incidences of William O'Leary proving that he is not just an ace fighter pilot. He is also the best pistol sniper in the world. Another <laughs> another, another case of the best shot is the hero. He, from a great distance, just nails the first of these cops as they're checking out the family's van. And then he's shooting it out with the other one and also gets that guy. And during yeah. this during this shootout... The uh, the family takes the baby and runs, and they go running off up the hill away from the barn. William O'Leary then just calmly, coolly comes out there and from like a football field away fires and kills the husband instantly, then shoots again and by at like two football fields away hits the mom and she falls over and then he just walks While away. While carrying the baby. While carrying the baby and he just walks away, goes back into the barn to keep fucking with his nukes and... You just you just see these two prone bodies lying there and hear this baby's wailing and then we cut away and it's like oh my god are, are we just implying this baby's gonna die of exposure this movie is not pulling <laughs> punches right now I what well, my jaw was on the floor at that moment that was like it's 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 jarring enough just to see William o, sweaty William O'Leary pointing guns at people in this movie yeah. Uh, because uh, he's he's sick, and let's earmark that because we got to talk about his sickness that I don't understand. Sure. Um. Uh, but yeah, to then just see him turn his back on a crying child after he's killed his mother and father in cold blood is just like pff, we're not going to see that in another movie we cover. Although I I uh, I haven't seen the Shaggy Dog yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's anywhere near as depraved as another Tim Allen movie we've watched, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh. It reminded me of a moment in the movie Under the Skin where Scarlett Johansson, the <laughs> alien in disguise, like kills a a couple at the beach and then their like you know, young baby is just left there on this Scottish beach and you just see a shot of it crawling closer and closer to the water's edge and then 
And then you cut away. Uh, I mean, it, it, a William O'Leary made-for-TV movie approached uh, uh, <laughs> under-the-skin levels of creepiness and, and being unsettling, which yeah. I think is a real achievement for a movie that is mostly stock footage. Well, actually, I, I want to talk real quick about um, uh, just an aspect of William O'Leary's performance. Yes. Why I think he's he's partly, you know, partly why he's so good is that, you know, he's got a kind of on home improvement he's he's good at the comedy yeah. of having kind of a, a empathetic or or sympathetic kind of sad sack i don't know you look at him and you could just kind of feel what he's feeling yeah he's got a nice guy written all over his face yeah there there's it's hard to find someone who can just go blank mm-hmm. and he does that very well i i was shocked at a number of moments in this where it's just there's nothing in his eyes. Uh, you you never know what he's thinking, and that is what makes him so kind of frightening on screen, especially in all these scenes where he's been cleverly paired up with, you know, an innocent family and baby, because it's like you, you don't know what he's capable of. It's always kind of a surprise when he lashes out and is violent, but then it's also, anytime he doesn't, it's a surprise. He, he's, uh, yeah, you, you were kind of kept guessing about his his motives. He doesn't just play this as a generic crazy person, though. He uh, like, I mean, you get you get right. you get glimpses through that 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 veneer, like when he's really sick or when he's looking at the baby or something like that. You you get a kind of glimpse of what's motivating all of it. But it, it's I can't say that it's him playing against type because all the other stuff we've seen him in actually came out after this. But it's it's <laughs> right. it's play, him playing against what I associate him with, and it's cool to see this amount of range because I, I think that a lot of other actors would have, uh, tr- you know, taken this too cartoonish or gone just too too maniacal with it, and it's really more frightening yeah. when he's silent. Well, I, I should maybe mention uh, this is the point to mention it in 1991, the same year that this came out, he also played uh, an ace fighter pilot in Hot Shots. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> the the Top Gun parody movie. Uh, he was basically playing the goose character. Wow. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't a big part at all. He he basically played the motivating factor for Charlie Sheen. He played Charlie Sheen's father. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. Oh, he played Martin Sheen, just like in uh, just like an Elf. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I do I do love that he well, has that, all that these... is weird he he he's starting with both Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen and, and it's weird also the the way that he it, so in the in the same year he'll do he'll do two movies where he's an Air Force pilot and then also later in the same year he'll do two movies with Jensen Daggett where they're a romantic <laughs> couple and also really I guess that, that may and also one of those movies he is once again an Air Force officer like he has all, his his career rhymes in so many interesting ways <laughs> yeah that's I don't know I find those things kind of fun yeah um uh, okay so uh, enough of uh performance corner let's go back into what's going on here uh, I let I want to transition into his sickness yes because okay they uh, he I don't I can't okay we didn't talk much about what he's doing with this plane like I would assume I would assume the person that put it on the plane like put it on the plane and activate it like what what is he doing in the barn for so, one thing so, why does he have to go to town so this for something 
this this nerdlinger at the military base, this total Dorcas Malorcas, comes in and is talking <laughs> to the uh, talking to the two guys who are in charge of trying to find him. He's telling him about the nuclear missile that he's got on his plane and explains, oh, it the 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 version that's on there, whatever. It, it we don't need to worry about it. It won't go off because it's got this safety fuse. You need a special code or something like that. But they say, well, what if he what if he you know tampers with the missile to deactivate the the special security measures and the person says oh well the only way you know he'd never do that because he'd have to to do that he'd have to expose himself to the nuclear core and get a lethal dose of radiation that's the only way you could disable the safety features so he's pulled this like little uh, he's pulled this very effective stage prop that looks a whole lot like a part of a nuclear bomb out of the nuclear bomb and is fiddling with it and using screwdrivers and stuff on it he because he's on a suicide mission he knows he's going to get dosed but he doesn't care um, and then I think I the reason see. the reason they go into town is because like his whole time at the barn this whole night he's just fiddling with it and tweaking it and there's a bunch of red lights along the top and as the nuclear Got bomb it. has its safety measures turned off the lights turn green and then when it's he's done they start flashing which is honestly a very aesthetically pleasing and convenient way to design a bomb so so you know <laughs> my my hat goes off to Mr. Oppenheimer for that. Um <laughs> I, I see that's the sort of stuff that's kind of white noise to me in movies, so I, I'm not surprised that I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, yeah. I And then they, they go into town because he needs more tools, which I guess raises the question of did he go to a place like Harry's Hardware where there are free donuts? <laughs> did he did he do 20 minutes of banter with everybody before going back out to his hostages with his stony glare? Just <laughs> That's Benny's one line. Hey, fella, you don't look so good. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's munching down on his donuts. Yeah, exactly. You should go get some Pepto-Bismol. But hey, make sure she doesn't pay with them traveler's checks. She can write messages for help on the back. <laughs> Benny would never be that helpful. Um, no. Uh, yeah, so it's... But all of all of his overnight stuff is just him getting this getting this bomb prepared. They, they put safety measures on the nuclear weapon, but not safety measures that can't be circumvented by a determined uh, crazy guy. Right, yeah. Okay. So that that makes sense. So then when they go into town to get the tools on their way back, he's looking real bad and he's like she's like we should we go back to town to get you something cuz you look like you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Yes, let's go back." And so they go to the pharmacy. That I I did not get the radiation sickness. Actually, I think that's a really good good reason. Uh, yeah. I, I just kind of assumed it was like his delusions were starting to, you know, some, the mental illness is starting to manis- manifest itself physically, uh, which I thought was kind of weak sauce, but I was bought into the movie at the point. Yeah, the point, yeah, so yeah. I didn't question it too much. Yeah, no, it's, it, this is all just, he he knows that he's dying, but he needs just enough, uh, enough medicine to keep him going long enough to complete, uh, to complete his mission. So, I, you know, again, it's, he's, like, it, this is, this is a pretty lean movie. There's not a lot of fat on it. It just like moves around. Like you know, I for this sort of pot boiler made for TV movie, I think it's really well written in terms of just uh, you know th- this this makes sense. It's a logical reason that they would have to go to this other store because he he has made the calculation that no, I'm sick. I'm throwing up because of the radiation. I need to be in top condition to finish this. Like. Yeah, I, I don't know. All the all the plot points feel organic. It's not a movie like, say, Project Alf, where you have to have the main character <laughs> call the military and tell them where they are so you can keep the chase plot line going. Right, right. Yeah, that's the yeah. only well, difference and, between this yeah. movie and Project Alf. Go on. 
Um, well, no. So you, you answered a ton of questions I had. So um, uh, half of my notes just disappeared. <laughs> hey, look, that's I, I'm glad I can help. That's what we're here to do, folks, on this podcast, is clear up questions you might have about the 1991 made-for-TV movie Flight of Black Angel. Um, so, I mean... <laughs> He gets, a- after the cops show up, after he, you know, guns down the family in cold blood, uh, he then takes off again and flies off towards Vegas, and baby, we're in the third act, and then it's, um, <laughs> then it's just, I, uh, look, the, the, uh, another alternate title that I had for this movie was uh, Carpool Lane to the Danger Zone, and it is, it is basically, <laughs> it is basically more of that. There's another, uh, another a duel of the stock footage of jets and uh and series of series of one-off shots of dudes in flight masks in uh in closed cockpits yelling at each other um you know his 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 supervisor or the person who had been who had been training him the one who initially said to him uh that you're the one is uh, uh lieutenant colonel matthew ryan so Ryan is is up there leading this new group of jets who are trying to shoot him down before he can get to Vegas, but they have figured out in the process that, oh, the way he's modified the bomb, if we shoot him down, the nuke will go off. So we need to, we can't shoot at him, we just need to get him away from Vegas. And, you know, this is, I think this is a scene, again, the movie's done pretty well getting by with stock footage, but this is one place where it would have been helpful to have shots of both the Jets and the city of Las Vegas at the same time rather than yeah. shots of Jets sort of devoid of any spatial context followed by shots of, like, people getting on a bus in downtown Vegas or shots of a casino sign or something like that to sort of <laughs> trick your brain into thinking that the two things are in the same general area. Yes, agreed. I, I, I have to admit, I... Kind of, kind of like the end of uh, County Line. Uh, no fear. I, once they're back in the air, I, I lost all sense of what was going on. I, yeah. I mean, I kind of, I got the broad strokes of the only way to end this is a sort of martyr situation. There's no way that, and I, I and honestly, it did answer the questions I had of like, well, how are they going to force someone else to land a fighter plane? I mean, yeah. and you can't. <laughs> You can't crash him without setting off the bomb. So I mean, I'm I give them props for not doing some sort of contrived, you know, thing. Like we got to get him over water. Does he have enough gas? We got to fill his tank up. You know, shit like that. It's just it, it does the inevitable and has the kind of balls to go there. And, so, and what I what I do like also is that the way that this is resolved ultimately isn't a big exciting dogfight. I guess. Partially because they don't have stock footage of fighter jets shooting at each other, uh, but <laughs> right. But the, it's it's that he, uh, you know, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ryan is on the radio with him talking to talking to William O'Leary's character and is basically first tries to talk him out of it, then is trying to reason with him and finally starts taunting him and just <laughs> saying like, "Hey, you know, if you're if you're really so good, you've got to you've got to come and shoot me down. Like you've got to." You know, just saying. You, if you're really on this mission, I'm. I can shoot you down right now, and you won't be able to drop your bomb at the middle of the city. Like you're, you'll be a failure unless you shoot me down. You know, you know. If you're so good, you could do this. He uses his knowledge of William O'Leary's character to kind of bait him into chasing him out over the desert, and then he, you know, William O'Leary tries to get a missile lock, and his you know, superior is able to barrel roll out of the way, get around behind him and then, and then shoot him down. 
So it, it, it turns this into sort of a duel of wits more than anything else, which I, I like. That's both budget-friendly and just it's not a show of brawn. It's a show of trying to right. get a, get on his level and, and uh, outmatch him. Um, yes. But yeah, then, then like, knowingly, I mean, uh, uh, Colonel Ryan, like, he knows that when I, you know, when he fires the missile, it's going to set off the nuke and they're in close proximity. But he does it and the screen just... Fade, you know, fades to white, fades to a shot of a nuclear bomb going off, and it's um. Well, like we, we go, we go from that then just right to the local news report about, hey, yeah, a gigantic nuclear bomb went off outside Vegas today, but the government says nothing's wrong. But like the, they're talking <laughs> about, oh, two pilots were who were on routine training maneuvers in the area were killed in the blast, and they they put up this side by side of Ryan and uh, and uh, William O'Leary's character. And, you know, we get the woman in the hospital watching this, holding her baby, and then the last shot of the movie is just the shot of the side-by-side of their two faces that slowly fades to black. And it's really somber, and I gotta say, almost sort of effective, (laughs) where I'm, like, even more effective than the movie actually was, just, like, looking at it like, wow, really makes you think, that guy trained that guy, and then gave his life to stop him from from blowing up a city like you it makes you actually kind of think <laughs> about the sacrifice that they made even though even though uh, colonel ryan is an underwritten character he is not really on screen for uh, yes. much of the movie i don't i have we get we spend like william o'leary is in basically every scene in this movie yes. i guess not like there's i guess there's cutaways to the people chasing him but he is in 75 percent of this movie he is the main character and and you know the uh, Matthew Ryan, the the pursuer, whatever it does, it doesn't really matter. You don't think that much about him. But this last, he, he did like he did like two days of filming, and one of those days was entirely inside of a control room with radar beeping and other other people feeding him lines about what analytics can do, what can engineering do, where yeah. where where can we track this guy? Yeah, I and mean, then and then the other day was him sitting in the mock up of a uh, of a <laughs> cockpit, jet yeah. cockpit with a mask <laughs> over his face just reacting so that he can later ADR in whatever they need him to say. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I agree, the movie gets less interesting once he takes off again. When he's there with the family, there is that tension you talked about of, we don't know what he's going to do. Is he actually going to kill these people? Are they going to go that far? You, because in a movie like this, where he we've watched him kill his family, you can be pretty sure, okay... Maybe we're gonna see him kill other individual people, but it's still like I'm. I'm still not convinced when he gets in the air that he's gonna actually make it to Vegas and blow up Vegas. So at that point, I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. Like it, it, him, him with his hostages is really when you feel like there's the greatest sense of I don't know which way this is gonna go. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. And that it is. I don't know why. Okay. I, I maybe this is the time to admit something okay <laughs> being you didn't watch the being, movie did you uh i have the first time i'm watching it is in the background while we're recording this um, the, the way god intended no uh actually it's about top gun i'm not too i, I i've seen top gun once it's yeah, one of same. those movies that was you know ruined for me and not ruined but like one of those movies is like oh yeah i know goose dies and yeah like it because of that i never really had the ambition to seek it out when I did you know it, it what you're describing with just cockpit helmets and and you know all the action taking place with faces I can't see makes it 
not engaging to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I'm I don't have a lot of experience with Top Gun, and what I remember of it, I remember just being meh. This is yeah. this has a weird message about military industrial complex, <laughs> um, and I don't know how I feel about it. I but I look. I, I, I remember, I've only seen it once. I rented it at a video store when I was like 10 years old because I was like, fuck yeah, this is a movie about fighter jets and fighter pilots and shooting missiles at people and stuff blowing up and war and guns. And I watched it and I'm like, why is there so much kissing and love stuff? It's just all conversations. <laughs> There's like two scenes of flying planes around. This is bullshit. And I have never, I, I have never recovered from that. I have to admit my... My most of my knowledge of that stuff comes from Hot Shots, uh, you know, kind of ironically, <laughs> with William O'Leary being in this and that. Yeah, yeah. Where, look- where they make fun of a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, what by the time I saw it, not only was like the big emotional moment of Goose dying ruined for me, but um, not ruined. Whatever. I mean, it is what it is. I don't into this spoiler culture but wow uh, wow landon being very cavalier about the death of goose everybody uh that's that's landon solano <laughs> no, no, care it's, of it's tool the, time the opposite of that i'm not being cavalier i think saying that having it spoiled for me makes it not emotional is bullshit mm-hmm. that a effective movie whether you know something's going to happen or not should be able to bring you in emotionally so were, were you were you whatever more that's emo- t- t- were, tangent were you more emotionally affected by the death of uh, William O'Leary's parents in this, or the or the dad in that family that he kills, than you were by Goose's death? Eh? Uh, I don't hear no. a I don't hear a no. I I was more shocked, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I would say I was I was more emotionally involved in Goose's death. Yeah. Mm, okay. Okay. All right. So that's that's uh, I a mean, yeah, controversial opinion. That's, and then he's uh, then he's being cradled in the water. I mean, that's that's pretty. It's pretty intense, man. That is pretty intense. This is just shocking. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no emotion. I mean, that's the whole point of this movie is there's no emotion behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's also maybe a case where Top Gun benefits from having a, a huge budget and the active participation of the U.S. military. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, I, I, this is a long way around to your point about um, fighter pilot movies, which is just like, I, I can't. I, I'm completely with you in that it's hard to be engaged in action when it's just, you know, there's something about planes to like when you can't see their face. That's a big mm-hmm. thing. You can't, you know, maybe you see their eyes, but usually they have those shades over. But there's something also specifically about planes and jets that is like, I don't know, not engaging to me. Mm-hmm. I, I would find like the, the, Fast and the Furious movies more exciting than a jet fighter movie because well, like jets go fast and in one direction. Yeah. And there, there's like, and maybe it's because they're in the sky. There's like nothing to com- really see how fast they're going. Or there's no like danger that they're going to crash into something. They can't like go off of ramps or stuff. Yeah. There's just something kind of inherently boring about jets. Well, also, because fighter jets tend to be, like, one of three colors. At least the cars in Fast yeah. and the Furious are, like, they they have different looks to them, and then they get damaged, and, and, and people can plausibly 
well, okay, plausible does not apply to Fast and the Furious anymore. I, I agree with all of your <laughs> points about fighter jets. I'm sure there's probably a Fast and the Furious movie already where they're standing on the wings of a fighter jet doing kung fu or something. That's, that's Die Hard 4. Yeah, oh, God. Uh, but hey, that you know what? That's that's a huge improvement over Die Hard 2. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I agree dot, with dot, you. Dot. Like, even... A dot 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 huge dot 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 improvement on Die Hard dot 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 two. Um, even when I was a kid and I watched Star Wars for the first time, my parents showed it to me. Mm-hmm. The the ending with the trench runs on the Death Star. I even I was getting bored with that as at the time as a child because it was just like I don't know I can't tell who the characters are. They have helmets on. They're in these these cockpits. Even though I think Star Wars does a better job of making that sort of combat interesting, but you know. I think because I think Star Wars can do better with people flying around in jet type aircraft because at least there they're flying around space stations or low to cities. But any kind of conventional modern day movie with a fighter jet in it, yeah, they're just up in the sky. It's yeah. not like they have to like yeah, there's not there's not a labyrinth to navigate. You can't get lost. There's there's nothing. Well, there I, now. <laughs> I just want to point out <laughs> this movie has made us make comparisons to Die Hard, Top Gun, Star Wars, and Fast and the Furious. So yeah. I mean, it's got something going for it. Yeah. Um, I did. Do you think we're going to be able to to hit uh, Citizen Kane and M by the end of the episode? <laughs> there. Okay. The this is just filling out more of my thoughts on jets. <laughs> okay, thoughts on there jets. There is a difference though between the, the like the X wings in at the end of Star Wars and watching the Millennium Falcon go, which mm-hmm. the Millennium Falcon is a unique design. I can kind of, it's yes, it's gray, but usually it's going through like deserts and stuff and, or, you know, a big uh, crater that's actually not a crater. Um, like I, I get excitement out of watching the Millennium Falcon fly around. Yeah. Uh, because it can maneuver, it can do things. It, it's, I mean, not that you can't with jets, but usually it's like I'm going super fast straight, and then I'm gonna pull it straight up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I can watch it dock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- let's. I don't know. Let's start to to bring this home. Uh, well, let's okay, coming for landing. Yeah. Let's let's land. <laughs> oh, Is let's there anything la- more to say? I guess about the the final moments. The decision, and I, I'm talking specifically about the decision that Lieutenant Colonel Ryan has to make to take him down. Or have, have we covered that enough? I feel like we've covered that enough. Nothing in this movie is that deep. It's all very effectively yeah. conveyed, but it's just really, there. there's a crazy guy who's going to blow up Vegas because he's crazy. There is his training officer who is going to sacrifice his life to stop him because he's the good guy in the movie. You know, there's... Yeah, that's that's it. That's the you know, this isn't a county line movie where there's 15 million plot twists that all resolve with a couple of cops <laughs> yeah. showing up behind the person who's pointing a gun at the other cops. Well, what's what's kind of interesting is like there's I don't know, by this point in the movie, it's just kind of like, I, I don't know, it, it falls a little flat for me and not mm. just because of the jets, but because like there's not a lot of conflict set up between William O'Leary and Lieutenant Colonel Ryan, like I'm not emotionally invested in whether or not the good guy wins or not. Like, is he going to live or not? I It's like, I, I could really care less. And we're not really brought enough into William O'Leary's plan for nuking 
Vegas, and we kind of know that he's not gonna, um, that I don't really, I don't know, there, there's not a lot of investment there to, to see what's gonna happen. So yeah. it's just kind of like, we need to end this movie. What's the, <laughs> what's the way we can pretend that it's the biggest? Let's get them in the cockpits and show more stock footage. Yeah. I, but I really do. I had, on a Roger Corman type filmmaking level, I really do respect that. Though I, I that that they they did they did the best they could with the budget that they had, and it worked out pretty well. In a, in a weird kind of correlation, I mean, this movie does have a little bit of Target's vibes, which Targets. notoriously was like. Targets is one of Peter Bogdanovich's first movies. He was tasked by Roger Corman. We have all this footage with Boris Karloff from this movie called The Terror. If you can use 20 minutes of this and we'll give you free reign to make whatever movie you want. You have Boris Karloff. You have 20 minutes of this other movie. Go apeshit and make whatever you want to. And he decided, I'm going to make a movie within a movie. So Boris Karloff is playing an aged horror movie actor Mm -hmm. and his latest picture is showing at a drive-in which is the terror (laughs) uh, an earlier movie that roger corman had made and at that there's a sniper who goes crazy and starts killing people it's kind of this uh uh, so you know old school horror and new school reality horror clashing together I, uh, yeah, so it's it's. Um, I mean, we were we were talking in our nights episode about the concept of watching someone else uh, watch a movie on a plane. This is kind of that you're <laughs> watching other people watch a movie as they die. Um, <laughs> yes, I mean in targets. Yes, yeah. I you know what? I wish there'd been a drive-in movie scene at this. I wish I wish that it just ended with with them landing at a drive-in movie theater because that's a big that's a big open expanse where you can Ooh, land yeah. a couple fighter jets and they just they're just hey. punching each other as Top Gun they plays. Did it in- they did it in Twister. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, a big tornado comes through the screen and kills them. And that's, you know, it 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 turns out the nuke wasn't the real threat to Las Vegas. It was this tornado the whole time. <laughs> if only instead of bring- instead if instead of going crazy, William O'Leary had just been ready to nuke that tornado. Uh, it it, <laughs> it could have been a hero. And to bring it all together, that turn that driving during the tornado was playing Kubrick's The Shining. <laughs> wow, man. Really makes you think, doesn't it? No, not really. No, no, nothing on this podcast does. Um, no, I mean that—that's—that's that's all. I feel like that's all I can say about Flight of Black Angel. I know that we talked about Alf for well over two hours last time, but this movie just doesn't have <laughs> as much cat meat on the bone. It, despite no, d- despite the meaty performance by William O'Leary. All right. Well, here, here's a here's a, a fun little game, maybe. Okay. Um, I noticed that in all of these uh, Air Force movies, fighter pilot movies, um, when they are in the cockpit and they've got their helmet on, I don't know why I'm talking like this. Their um, helmet on. <laughs> Worst fighter pilot pushing ever. my glasses up my nose with every word. Mm, um, actually, I'm pushing my blast visor up my nose. <laughs> uh, they all have like nicknames uh, printed in Helvetica mm-hmm. <laughs> above their visor. What is, you know, like Maverick or Goose? Yeah. What's your what's your Air Force nickname? <sighs> That's a really good what's question. What's on your helmet? Um I would assume that if it were just me, if I got like drafted into being a kick-ass fighter pilot, 
I would like to think yeah. it would be Hollywood because I'm the one from LA. Ooh, that, yeah. But it would probably, I don't know, but it probably wouldn't be something that cool. Maybe it would be, or it would be like burrito or something because I eat a lot of burritos. <laughs> <laughs> Kimchi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I would have I would have a, both a a Mexican squad mate and a Korean squad mate. We're both like, wait, why is he called Kimchi Burrito? <laughs> it's not even. I mean, but then they're also like, well, actually, it would be racist if they applied those terms to us. So uh, actually, we don't care about it. You go, you go, Kimchi Burrito. Go shoot down those enemy Migs. What would? What, what, oh my god. What would yours be? Um. Okay. Yeah. I. I think. I'm trying. I've got it, but I'm just trying to to think of the justification here. Um, I think. Oh well, here's the question: Do I get to choose it? I mean, obviously, I get you, to choose it in this, but like, am I thinking? You know, I I need my parameters. God <laughs> am damn it, I picking one you, based on what I think people would nickname me as, or do I get to choose my own? Your your nickname would be Parameter. That's what everyone would call you. <laughs> Look, in my in my experience with nicknames, in my experience with nicknames, you don't get to choose what your nickname is, and any attempts to do so will only result in tears. No, you a nickname is something that your squad mates have applied to you. So, well, I guess I mean you answered my question. Uh, it's parameter. It, it it really would be parameter. I mean, yeah, I would I would self apply Hollywood, but I would probably wind up with burrito, or or I don't know, crockpot or. Uh, Crockpot, yeah. Um, no, that's. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I I would have my Hollywood choice. Uh, would be Deep Red, which is mm. uh really really famous Jalo. I, I was also thinking Jalo would just be your name. I'm not as uh I'm, I'm I'm not as creative as as you are. I don't go as as deep on my nicknames. Well, I, I Jalo was the first thing that popped in my head, but um, it doesn't it doesn't split evenly between the the left and right side of my my helmet, so. I was trying to think of something that would mm, be more aesthetically mm-hmm, pleasing. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Cause then it would be like, who's Gia? Gia low. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, but I like that. That could then be the, the bit of business that you always have when you're talking with the, with the other fighter pilots. You're like, no, it's my, 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 my <laughs> nickname. I with my real name. My nickname is not Gia low. It's Jalo. You have to look at me f- straight on and read the helmet. That's the only way it works. I, <laughs> God, there's a there there's a sitcom to be made about the two of us as uh, uh kind of prissy whiny fighter pilots who can never get the nicknames that we want. <laughs> it's a skit waiting to be written. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the, I feel like we we gave it a you know what? Let's spare the world the skit. I feel like this is basically the skit. Hope you enjoyed, folks. Okay. <laughs> and scene. Yes. Blackout. Anything else with flight of black angel? Um, I, okay, here I got something about the title. Yeah, um, yeah. I kind of like the. I think it's a pretty good title, to be honest. Yeah, uh, Black Angel. You know, it's kind of like Angel of Death. There, it ties into the kind of evangelical mission he's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, my first note that I wrote down when the t- title came up was just "Flight of Black Angela's Ashes," followed by "Is this anything?" Question uh, mark. I don't think it is. But no, that, it's not. That's what that's what I'll, it inspired for I'll, me. I'll be the protective blanket on grunt work for that one. Oh, okay, okay. It is not. All it's right. It's nothing. Okay. Uh, bang the gavels. It is not a thing. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, it's. I think Black Angel is a pre- Black Angel is a pretty cool fighter pilot nickname. But also, someone whose nickname is Black Angel. How are you? How are you shocked when they go crazy? 
Like that's a <laughs> like that that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty wild nickname. Like a guy a guy who's yeah. a guy whose fighter pilot nickname is Burrito. You know he's not gonna go rogue and try and blow up a, a friendly city. No. Well, I don't know. I mean, you could be you know unexpectedly shooting a bunch of stuff out the back of your plane. <laughs> You can't make it back to base in time. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I I blew up your old apartment a few times. I guess I would. I you know, it's only a few steps God. away to blow up a city. Hey, you took us there. I'm so sorry. You took us there first. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kirsty, I'm so sorry too. Um, I, we can't top that. Yeah. We cannot. We cannot top that quality of joke, Landon. There's nothing better we can go out on. <laughs> All right, then. We, I guess are we done with with Flight of Black Angel? I, I mean, unless you have some new treasure trove of information about Flight of Black Angel that we need to uh, we need to crack open. I, I like that we need to crack open like I a nuclear bomb make some. and get and get uh, poisoned by. All right, let me see if I can I, I can conjure something. Um, would you? Nope, that's a little too real. Uh, <laughs> Why are you? Were you gonna ask? Were you gonna ask about would I would I maybe do something bad to my family? <laughs> because I would never. No, I <laughs> I was trying to make up fake rumors about the movie, oh. uh, and then remembered that rust happened. Yeah, um, yeah, well, yeah. Welcome to welcome to our new feature, uh, Gruntwork Misinformation Corner, where we uh, put out misinformation on the internet because no one else is doing that right now. Well, I, uh, I, a couple couple episodes ago, I asked you, would you believe about MVP two? So yeah, I'm just trying to think of some uh, would you believes about this movie. Would you believe that the stock footage from this movie came from the 200 hours of unused footage of Rambo two? Yeah, I'd believe that. I would believe that. That that's something I I, I would I would buy. Uh, would you believe that this movie has a sequel called White Angel Resurrected? Um, I wouldn't believe that because there's not a white angel who dies in this. So, like, why would we be resurrecting them? If not for the resurrection subtitle, I would totally believe it, though. Okay, what if it's Black Angel Resurrected? Uh, I mean... I, I I would I would narrow my eyes a little bit, but also I mean it checks out. He dies at the end of the movie, so they got to resurrect him, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, the radiation sickness prevented him from being affected by the nuke, so he actually. He, have you ever seen <laughs> the Incredible Melting Man? I, I I have seen the Incredible Melting Man, Mystery Science Theater season seven, episode five, I believe. Oh, episode man. three i'm so sorry movie. yeah that that man melts and it is incredible um <laughs> i love that movie uh outside of mystery science theater um i think that's the sequel to this movie oh okay okay i'll buy that yeah you know it's black it, angel resurrected the incredible melting man the, the, because he he arises from from the crater of the nuke just completely radiated and proceeds to melt as he tries to get back to civilization. And you know, look, that movie also a movie about two military dudes who are friends and one of them trying to stop the other one from doing a thing. So, uh, you, you know, yeah, follows the same formula. Yeah, I'd believe it. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Uh, cool. All right. That wraps up. Would you believe it? Corner. All right, great. I'm uh, I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that we went there. It was good to just stuff a little bit more uh, stuff a little bit more uh, newspaper into this uh, stack of uh, what appears to be money in order to give it more weight. 
Okay, here's uh, we're, we're gonna okay. That's that's it for Black Angel. Now we go on to housekeeping. Okay, um, Black Housekeeping. Where do we where do we go from here? That's the question that's on everybody's ears, ears and mouth. I the, mean, it's 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 in the, it's in their ears because they're hearing you say it on a podcast, or because they're hearing <laughs> Axl Rose sing it in the song "Sweet Child of Mine." <laughs> uh, <laughs> so where where do we go? Where where do we go now? Where do we go? Sweet child, where do we go? Oh, Truman. Um, Am I alfing right now? Am I alfing a little bit? <laughs> but your voice isn't as annoying. Um, the, Welcome to we the jungle. We've got fun and games. No, no okay, you're fired. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh... Do we do another movie? Do we take a week off? Do we take two weeks off? Are are we okay? I let's just discuss really it in front want... of them. Why don't we? Yeah, sure. Let them be party to this. <laughs> I'm just letting them know the questions that we are asking. Um, I'm hoping that by the time this episode airs, the by the the following week, we'll have our RSS feed back up and running because. Heaven knows it's been a while. Mm-hmm. You know we got it. We got to get back on with this thing. So, yeah. fingers crossed. Next week we will dive back into season eight of Home Improvement. Heaven knows there there are plenty of movies we can continue to cover. Uh, we we could do this forever. I think we could we could spin out and plumb the depths of the Home Truman. Improvement cast list. We we could do all the the character actors. I mean. If we go into all the character actors, I mean, we could, in theory, go into Stephen Root's movies. Oh boy! Oh my God! I mean, I mean, look, The Exterminator. Yeah, for yeah season I, one. Yeah, thank you. Wild I remember. Kingdom, I remember who. Five. I remember who Stephen Root played on the show. You don't have to remind me. He was the Exterminator. Oh, or was it for them that you said that? It was. It was for them. For them. It was I mean, it's for all of it. It was honestly. It was for me. Oh, just to show off. <laughs> My memory. Yeah, a nice, a nice flex. Even though your season, even winner. though you edited out, hopefully, the fact that I couldn't remember Stephen Root's name. Yeah, no the the minute of of silence and keyboard tapping and clicking as you tried to look up his name is uh, hopefully been removed from this episode. <laughs> um, we we could do that. Look, if we can find any, if we can find a home improvement actor who was in all of the Herbie movies, and then we watch the Herbie movies and talk about them. That is one that I would endorse simply because we need to find an excuse for the two of us to watch all the Herbie movies now that we can. Challenge accepted. I mean, don't, you, don't, do, don't do it on the air, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll later edit myself out uh, uh, committing us to, uh, to this endeavor. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it's probably, it probably would be good to get back to doing the thing that this podcast is about to remind people what this podcast is about. So why don't okay then why don't we why don't we commit to this and I'm asking you on air which you have the full power to edit out if this is completely erroneous by yeah. the time it has to go up. This is just a this um, is just a phone call between two friends that happens to be being recorded by both parties. So we're we're not you know <laughs> we're not committed to anything yet. Uh, why don't we say next week we'll bring you home improvement and our RSC, RSS feeds will be back up. Uh, and if not, then we take next week off to purely focus on getting the RSS feeds RSS feeds back up 
so that we can, no matter what, continue with home improvement after this episode. Yeah, that sounds good. So, okay, folks, either there will be an episode next week or there won't be an episode <laughs> next week. I hope I hope you enjoy the fact that we told you this. Yeah, true. I I want you to know this is this is not for you now. This is for you in the future. Okay, uh, editing this episode. Yeah, I want you to know that I don't go into these tangents to actively give you stuff to edit out. Uh, no, that's. I want, I want you to know I appreciate the work you're doing, and everyone should should thank Truman for the fine audio quality and the products that you receive week after week yeah yeah you know what i I go into a fugue state when i edit these things that that guy may as well be a different person so to that truman (laughs) who is currently probably scrolling twitter and half listening uh i say thank you as well and i say you deserve a burrito go 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 pause pause your editing and go get a burrito Uh, okay i mean i'm sorry you the there's 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 victims in the house you'll have to you'll have to take that up with kirstie before you give me permission to do anything (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> um all right well then let's have end this episode um grunt work this show that we do for you mm-hmm. is made possible by our patrons if you want to help us create the show end the show properly which right now your your our patrons are really helping us oh boy through this thing. they're they're being they, mega chill about the way things are going <laughs> well and their their continued support is really helping us to get this whole new website up and going. So yes, we really, really appreciate your, your support. Absolutely. And do. you can do so over at patreoncom slash grunt work pod. And you know what? You don't just get the peace of mind, uh, knowing that you're helping us out. You also can get access to our entire archive of grunt work nights episodes. There are, there are 30 minute little, little chunks about nothing. Yep. Just, uh, just chunks about nothing. <laughs> Nothing. No chunks. one. No one's had that idea before, have they? No, no. I, um, I nobody has, and you, nobody's had that idea. And if anyone has, they certainly have not executed it better or with more comedy <laughs> and influence than we have. So check it out. Uh, and check out the podcatchers where you can leave us a rating or review to help people find the show. And it's in its final last gasps you can you can really help get it in front of people um phrasing it as last gasps makes it sound as though we are strangling the show or something well i mean listen to to gruntworks death rattle we've already strangled the show right now we're just holding it hostage in a closet yeah I, yes this this is the, hoping that no one finds us i'm i'm doing an impression of us doing the show to keep the viewers from uh, coming into the room and seeing what's going on <laughs> You can stop by to say hi to us on Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> See, I'm not good at the elf voice. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a blessing, Landon. God has <laughs> has looked favorably <laughs> upon you and decided that good things should happen in your life. <laughs> uh, you can find us there at Gruntwork Pod, um, or visit our brand new website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Same URL, different website. Ooh, wait, how uh, does that? Is that possible? You can do that on the internet. You, I mean, our patrons made that possible, so thank all them. Oh, thank you guys. Until next week when we may or may not be here, and you may or may not get an episode of Home Improvement, (laughs) I've been Landon Solano, a.k.a. Deep Red, a.k.a. Parameters. (laughs) I've been Truman Caps, a.k.a. Hollywood, a.k.a. Burrito. And remember, the official song of the United States Air Force adopted in the late 1940s is often referred to as Wild Blue Yonder. Uh, This is the content that you get when I forget that I had to write an outro. 
You're gonna take away my call sign, aren't they? I'm gonna be... I'm gonna be forgetful now. 